it comes from the idea of Mother Church. <coughs> so when you were in your parish, and you were uh, like a, um, you were a servant woman or something like that, and you were working in some big country house somewhere else, on that, this particular Sunday, you were allowed to go home. Because like being a servant was more like being a slave, really. So your life was controlled by your masters. And so Mothering Sunday, you'd go back to your home parish where your parents were, where you grew up, you'd go back to your mother church in your local parish, and you'd see your family, and you were allowed to pick flowers from the hedgerows to take back for your mothers, which is why flowers are associated with Mothering Sunday as well. Yes? You learned it in school. So why didn't you say it? <laughs> ah. You, I feel like what it was, you didn't want to show everybody else up. Because everybody else should know this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I think you're just too humble, Elsie. It's like mother, like daughter in this case. <laughs> too, too, humble. too humble for your own good. That's what Dan says to me all the time. Mothering so, uh, Day is a day of celebration. But let me just say this before we do the rest of the lesson. Of course, for some people it's not as, as, as easy to celebrate as others. Uh, for some of us who've lost our mothers, they've passed on already, it can be a bit of a difficult memory, especially that first year or two. Um, and for some of us, or people we know who've been unable to have children, uh, Mothering Sunday can be particularly a difficult day. And honestly, for some of us, although we appreciate the gift of life we, had, we have, uh, we may not have had the best relationship with our mother. And that can be also a difficult memory. So we need to acknowledge that we can mourn with those who mourn at the same time as we rejoice with those who rejoice. So it is a celebration. We just need to be mindful. It's difficult for some people. So with that in mind, though, what I'd like to go to do next is we're going to begin our time together with a quiz. We're going to have a quiz about mothers in the Bible. First mother. Here you go. Um... <clears throat> Their child, the first mother, the child, was a murderer. The child of this mother was a murderer. And something about the mother, if I was the child, I would say, my mother could talk to animals. My mother could talk to animals, or at least one specific animal. Second one. So talking about the, the, the child, my name, we're talking as a child here, my name means he laughs, which was what my mother did when she was told she was going to have a child. So I'm a child, my name means he laughs, which was what my mother did when she was told she was going to have a child. So that's the, that's the child. And a clue about the mother, my mother's name was changed by God. Number three. All right. Talking as, um, as the child, I adopted my mother-in-law as my mother. But talking as the child, in a, in a sense here, with a mother-in-law, I adopted my mother-in-law as my mother, that's the first clue. And the second is something about my, my mother, my mother-in-law in this case, she had two sons. Number four. Um, Talking as one of the children, I was one of twins. In other words, my mother had twins, I was one of twins. My mother was the daughter of Bethuel, 
and the sister of Labour. This is a harder one, I think. Number five. Number five. Speaking as one of the children, I was one of at least seven children. I was one of at least seven children. And my mother lived longer than I did. Okay, number six. Okay, number six. Speaking as the child, I was a king. I was a king. When I was a child of this mother, I was a king. My mother liked to bathe under the stars. Yeah. Number seven. Number seven. Speaking as the child, or he's one of the children of his mother, from a very young age, I more or less lived in the temple. One of the children. From a young age, I more or less lived in the temple. And my mother was suspected of being drunk. Number eight, speaking as one of the children. I was named by an angel. I was named by an angel. And my mother was married to a priest. Um, I, speaking as one of the children, I was an apprentice to the Apostle Paul. I was an apprentice to the Apostle Paul. My mother's mother was called Lois. I was a murderer. My mother could talk to the animals. Who was that in this group? Who was it, Elsie? It was Eve. Very good. My name means he laughs, which is what my mother did. My mother's name was changed by God. This group, who would like to ask that? Sarah is correct. <laughs> I adopted my mother-in-law as my mother. My mother had two sons. In this group, who was that? It was Naomi. Yeah. Wow, well, Patricia gets a job. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go around. We'll see if we go around, shall we? Let's see how we do. Um, I was one of twins. My mother was daughter of Bethuel, sister of Laban. Uh, yes? Now, bonus, it can be spelt the way that my Bible spells the name. So I want one, one for each group. But you can't correct the spelling if you hear someone. Um, no, I, I won't tell you which one's correct. Uh, let me hear. Yeah, write, write it on the phone and bring it to me. <laughs> write it down. Write it down. I'm going to ask you. How do, how Okay, and how do we spell it in this group? Who wants to give me a, a go at the spelling? R A B E S. Okay, and in this group? The same spelling. You're all too clever. Okay. Alright, well, one over here. So, Alice, who would you like to give a jelly baby to since you've already had one? Would you like to give that to somebody? And a random jelly baby for Raph. Do you like one? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I was one of at least seven children. My mother lived longer than me. Who is that according to this group? Who is that? Oh, 
No, no, sorry, no, no, sorry, no, no, sorry, hang on. Where are we up to? Show us this one, yeah? Sorry? No, you said the mother lived longer than me. Oh, we've done it the other way around. We didn't know that. What do you think, Miss Cruz? Mary. Mary's correct. No, that's what we just Bathsheba, Simon, To clues in the name, Bathsheba. From a young age, I didn't fall in the temple. My mother was suspected of being drunk. Who is that in this group who's not yet had a chance to answer? Did you answer? Scarlett, you know? You. Thank you. Hannah is correct. Yay! 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 I think it teaches us a lot of useful things about, about 
mothers and some spiritual principles that will be useful for every one of us here today. So Matthew 15. Where are we? We are in uh, we're in uh, Tyre. Jesus has gone up there to that part of the, the world where it's a Gentile, mainly in the Gentile area. That's where he is. And this passage, Matthew 15. Uh, a Canaanite woman came to him, Jesus, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So what's significant about the fact that she's from Canaan? She's a Canaanite woman. What do we know about that? What, what's, what's going on here? What's the significance of, her, of identifying her as Canaanite? What would you say? She's Gentile. Right? She's not Jewish, which explains a lot of what's going on in this passage between her and Jesus. How is she, as a mother, feeling? What do you read into that? What do you see? How is she feeling as a mother? What do you think, Mum? <laughs> you read her, her shoes. How is she feeling? Despondent. Desperate. Desperate. How many of us have been to A&E with our children? <laughs> how, many of us, how, many, how many of us have a, have a season ticket to A&E? <laughs> right? You get... You don't like it, you get used to the idea of your children being in pain, but in a sense, you get used to it, but you don't get used to it. it it's just, it's, it's ter you know, terrifying when your child is in pain, and no one yet seems to be able to sort it out. Um, when Lydia was a year and a half old, she, our daughter, she stepped in some, some uh, tea that had just come out of the kettle. It was scalding hot tea. She put her whole foot in his mug, and I was out. And Penny was at home with Fred, who was a baby. And uh, so Penny rang me. It was the days before mobile phones, a long time ago. And she rang me, she found me where I was, and got hold of me. I jumped in the car. It took me about half an hour to get home, I think, from wherever I was. Um, I picked up Lydia, put her in the car, took her to A&E. Um, and she screamed. She was screaming the whole time. So she screamed at the time. She screamed all the time when I was driving home. She screamed all the, all the way to the hospital. In the hospital waiting room, she screamed. I walked in, there was a Q&A and &A, &E, and she was just screaming, and they just waved me through. <laughs> so the rest of you have to wait. And, and uh, she screamed for an hour and a half. And then fell, then fell asleep. Um, well, she kind of went unconscious. She was, She'd, she'd screamed so much she was exhausted herself, so she went unconscious. And they were able to treat her with some cream and put a bag around her foot, and, and her skin made made a full recovery, which was wonderful. At that age, that 
more like this happen when you're older, but and I, I can't forget that. I, I, and I'm so grateful for the people that treated her with such sympathy the best they could, but they couldn't get rid of the pain. And uh, it's one of those things as a parent, you, you don't forget those, those moments, right? Poor, poor woman here is desperate. And Jesus seems to be um, obstructive to start with, right? I can't take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The thing about dogs is the word here is more like puppies. So it's more like a household pet. He's not talking about some dog in the street that you don't know. But even so, she says, well, at least we get the crumbs. I mean, come on, you know, that is the way it works, right? In a household, the children get the main parts of the bread, but there's always some crumbs left over for the kids. I mean, there's something for me, right? And Jesus responds to that. He responds to that and heals his, his daughter. So why does he respond? What do you think? What do you think is going on there that means that he says, well, okay, you're a Gentile, I'm not sent to the Gentile, this is not why I'm here, but okay, I'm, I'm going to help out. What, what do you think is going on? Yes, sir. Oh, you forgot, it's all right. He'll come back, don't worry. Faith is the issue, isn't it? Yeah, she's, he's testing her or discovering how much faith she really has. Yeah, anything else? Anything else you see that's going on here that, that might make Jesus say, okay, here we go. Let me help you out. Go on. Desperation, faith, humility. I, those are the two key things I think I see here. Faith in Jesus, whose power, but humility to beg for whatever she needs. Um, he commends her faith. I think he commends her faith. It's the humility that is the channel for the faith. Whether maybe the faith is the inspiration for the humility. I'm not quite sure how it all fits together, but faith and humility do go together. She's satisfied with being under the table. She's not asking to sit at the table. She's saying, I'm happy cr crawling around underneath because you're, you're so powerful and awesome. Even just to be in your house is a privilege. I, I'm happy to be with the puppies down here under the table. That'll do me fine. She's got a humble attitude there, satisfied with crumbs, satisfied with simply being in the house, not necessarily the master of the house. Her humility is driven by her concern for her child. Her pain drove her to Jesus. And that's the big thing, yeah. I also feel like she's not going to Jesus as some kind of magician. Yeah. But she recognizes he's more than just somebody who's human. She recognizes him as somebody with authority and with status and more than just magic power. So yeah. it, it's Which is that her pain drives her to Jesus. 
we all have pain in our lives. Where does it send us? Even though Jesus doesn't respond immediately, there's something about her pain that develops that humility in the presence of Jesus to where she gets what she needs. So where does our pain take us? And let me share briefly, I've never preached someone quite like this before, but I just wanted to share a bit about my mother. She's not here, but she sometimes watches the videos. So um, <clears throat> I hope what I say is accurate, Mum. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, as you always do. Um, so I think it's very relevant to this kind of passage, this passage here. My mother pictured there, perhaps towards the end of the Second World War, with her younger brother. Uh, grew up in Portsmouth uh, during the war with the bombing and all that kind of thing. She was evacuated outside Portsmouth to a grandparent's place for a while, just outside the city. Um, married 61 years ago this year. Uh, isn't that a lovely picture, though? I just, uh, along there's my dad. They're very young. They married 22, I think, 22, 23, thereabouts. Um, and she's, of course, the product of her own parents, my grandfather and my grandson now. I don't know which they, she looks more like or which I look more like. I think I'm more like my grandfather uh, in, in some ways. And uh, as you can see, they come from a generation. There was a generation before our current generation that never smiled for photographs. <laughs> and that's just, that's how it was. And so they're from, as you can see, that generation. Uh, for Leon's benefit, I would tell you that these are taken with 35mm black and white slide film. <laughs> interesting thing that only Leon and I would have any interest in whatsoever. <laughs> Developed by myself in my own darkroom. Anyway, there you go. Other stories, other time. Um, then, because uh, she got married and then had my uh, sister and I uh, on some holiday there, I don't know where we were, all three looking in different directions, which there must be a caption. That could go under that. I don't quite know what it is. But that was typical about holidays and wet and windy places with binoculars and outdoor clothing, somewhere usually in Wales. But my father was a geologist and geographer, so we would walk around for the whole holiday pointing out all the geological features, whilst my sister and I and my mother were wanting something more exciting to do. Anyway, um, then uh, Penny became a mother. And uh, yes, that is us, Penny looking beautiful as ever, me sporting a temporary moustache, over which I have many regrets. Uh, there you go. And some hair. Yeah, indeed, some hair. Uh, that's Lydia, there, just a few days older, our, our daughter. Uh, moving on a few years to when we lived in Manchester. She, uh, she and my father used to come up and visit from time to time. That's, uh, in central Manchester, um, and in anniversaries, uh, 30th wedding anniversary, 40th wedding anniversary, and uh, my 50th birthday, and I think that might be a Leon photograph. I think, might maybe. Um, and they in their roles there, my father as a non-stipendary priest, and my mother singing in the choir with her choir robes on, and, and so on. Um, now I share these pictures with you, in fact let's have this one at the end there, they're again dressed up, my mum and dad, um, a year or two ago. Um, I share this to say that you know you can look at all these incidents in her life, some beautiful things there, 
But since the age of 17, my mother hasn't had a pain-free day. Uh, she has severe rheumatoid arthritis, and now osteo, and she's had severe pain all of her adult life. She's 82, turning 83 this year. Sorry, Mum, to tell of your age, but uh, don't think it matters too much. Um, and she's had constant pain. She brought me up with constant pain. Uh, the story goes, and my mum can correct this if it's not quite right, but I was born in Luton 58 years ago. My mother was it had a lot of difficulties with uh, pain, and she couldn't really move very much. So when I was, not when I was first born, but when I was still a, a youngster, um, still a baby really, she really couldn't move in the mornings. Uh, she couldn't move until lunchtime. So when my father got up for work, he'd get up, um, and he'd take me, make sure I had a clean nappy, help my mother get into a chair in the kitchen, sit her in the chair, uh, put me on her lap, um, and a pile of nappies, toweling nappies, of course, in those days, a pile of Terry's toweling nappies, and a bowl of water, and some cleaning fluids on one side, and then some bottles of milk on the other, or whatever was needed. And then he'd leave my mother there, sat in the chair with me in her lap, with these supplies, and I, that was it for the whole morning. She just sat there with me on her lap, because she couldn't move until about lunchtime. And then she could get up. And of course, I remember none of that. And it moves me deeply to think about what would I sit down in the morning for with, with something heavy on my lap, just with nothing to do. And, and how would I feel knowing that I was there because of pain and feeling the pain? I don't know how I would handle that. I think my mother is, like so many mothers, my mother is heroic. And what did that do to her faith? This is, this is my point is it drove her to God. She had a faith, and if you talk to my mother about her pain and her faith, she'll tell you she has been very angry with God much of her life. Very upset with God about this pain, and she's wrestled with it so much, so difficult. But in the end, it's always driven her back to God. And my other, my memory, my earliest spiritual memories with my mother is of her praying with me and singing Christian songs with me. She'd tuck me in every night, and the ritual was, She'd come in and she would say family prayers with me, the Lord's Prayer, a family prayer, which we'd recite together, and then we'd sing a song. She sang over me, like it says God sings over us. She sang over me, she sang with me. These are my earliest spiritual memories. Up until 13, she said, now you're 13, it's up to you. And so I had to take responsibility for my spiritual life from that point on. But she would come in and pray with me and sing with me, despite the pain. I, I admire my mother's decision to go to God for her strength and wrestle with God, but to find what she needed. Now she's well into her 80s, and she's not lost her faith in God. She's held, held on to that, and I would say it's probably now the main reason We need to go to God in the middle of our pain, whatever the pain is. You know, kids, we just say this for the younger children, preteens, mountain movers, and teens. We know, you know, adults aren't unaware of the fact that you have pain in your life. It's not the same pain as adults have. But if you still have that pain, you've got bullying issues at school, you've got to, you sometimes feel like you're the odd one out at school or at home or in your neighborhood. Sometimes you feel like you don't know where life is going, it's so confusing, this, the angst that comes in, and the emptiness or loneliness. 
um, sometimes very angry at your own parents, understandably, because sometimes parents can be fools just as much as anybody else, but also because so many things don't make sense. You've got your pain, adults have theirs, we've all got our pain, it's a choice. It's a choice where we go for the strength that we need. I would like to encourage us to be more like the Canaanite woman. And when pain comes our way, we say, Jesus, we know you have the strength. You have what can heal us. We're going to take communion now. And I think that's hugely powerful that on the cross, Jesus thought about his mother. He did it. And he made sure that she was taken care of. And that was his heart, always to take care of others more than himself. Much like a mother, much like all the mothers I know, thinking about others more than themselves. As we take bread and wine now, we're being reminded and strengthened about the mothering kind of heart of Jesus to love others. And we pray that today, that doing this will help us to think more about how we can help others like Jesus did. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you so much for our time here this morning. We thank you that we can celebrate Mothering Sunday. And we're grateful for all the mothers in this church. And we're grateful for our own mothers who gave us life. We thank you, God, that you treat us in many ways like a mother treats her children. And we pray that you'll help us always to go to you for the strength that we need. Father, as we take bread and wine right now, we remember the cross. And we thank you for Jesus' example. We pray help us to be more like him this week. And we pray that reflecting on what he did for us will strengthen our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.